Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ProWrestling.net All Access Podcast. This is SmackDown Audio Review. My name is Chris Shore, and joining me as always is Jake Barnett. We cover SmackDown for ProWrestling.net each and every week and come to you guys every Saturday with an audio review. Usually that review is set aside for our members only. And it's not just us that does audio reviews. Jason Powell does one every Monday for Monday Night Raw. Will Pruitt is along most every week on Friday for a review of TNA Impact Wrestling. Then, of course, there's other audio we do for the site. There are many interviews that we have done and continue to do each and every week. Also, on a weekly basis, Jason Powell does a Q&A audio where he answers both wrestling and non-wrestling questions from our members. Jake and Will Pruitt get together to do the .NET Countdown, where they look at the best and the worst in professional wrestling each week. And then on Thursdays, Jason Powell and I get together for .NET Weekly. It is our flagship audio show. We talk about the news of the week and oftentimes break news. It's not even made its way to the site yet. usually runs about two, two and a half hours. Sometimes we push it out to three, three and a half hours, depending on what kind of week it is. We do that each and every week, and if you would like access to all of that audio each and every week, plus all the old audio that we have, all the interviews that are sitting out there, access to the .NET uh, members forum, access to the .NET members blog page, and of course the best part, access to the ad-free version of the site, all you have to do is head on over to ProWrestling.net and sign up on the right-hand side of the page where it says .NET members uh, sign up, click there, and it will get you started 750 We'll get you started for 30 days, 550 a month. We save you two bucks a month if you take the annual option. And now is a great time to sign up because this Sunday, of course, is the Royal Rumble. Begins the road to WrestleMania. There will be all kinds of news happening between now and April when the when the WrestleMania comes around. Uh, of course, The Rock and John Cena will be headlining that show. When There'll be a lot going on leading up to that. A lot of that information will be available to our members only, or at least they'll get the first look at it. And so it's a great time to sign up and check out everything we have available at .NET. Uh, so just head on over to ProWrestling.net on the right-hand side of the page. Click on the .NET member sign-up link, and we'll get you going. Access immediately as soon as you get signed up. And I'm going to go ahead and bring Jake in right now. This is the SmackDown audio review for the SmackDown that aired January the 27th, 2012, which taped earlier in the week in Tucson, Arizona. And this was the, the go-home show, as they say, for, for the Royal Rumble, Jake. It was uh, SmackDown's last opportunity to hype the Royal Rumble, and specifically their title match, the triple threat match of Daniel Bryan, Big Show, and Mark Henry in a steel cage for that World Heavyweight Championship. So I'll ask you a combination question. How do you think the show did hyping the Rumble as a whole, and how do you think the show did hyping specifically that world title match? Well, I, I thought the uh, the stuff they did with the main event was great. I, I had great optimism for the show after watching the opening segment. I thought all three guys really did well in their promo roles, and uh, you know, especially Mark Henry, who delivered you know a really kind of a, a iconic promo, uh, you know, that really represented his character. Uh, you know, when he when he came out and addressed Brian and, and Show, who had already been in quite an argument, so. That was really fun. The opening segment was great, and I thought the hype for the main event was done pretty well throughout the night. But you know, after you get past that, I mean, this show was—I uh, don't know—kind of vomited all over itself for the last, I don't know, 90 minutes. I would say, you know, that middle 90 minutes between that opening segment and the main event was kind of painful to watch. There wasn't a whole lot of good in there, and you know, while they did, uh, you know, show show a couple of video packages and. Uh, for the Rumble match itself and, and, you know, show some commercials for the other matches on the show. I, I didn't really feel like we got any kind of advancement in any of the other storylines besides the SmackDown main event, which I guess makes sense because it's the only SmackDown match, you know, exclusively on the card. But uh, it kind of felt like a letdown considering how little it was anything on Monday as well. Yeah, I thought they did an okay job of, of, of hyping the Rumble as a whole. I mean, the show, as you said, was not great. The uh, The opening segment, the closing segment was good. Uh, I thought the first half of the Randy Orton segment was very good. And then outside of that, it was just a lot of mess, a lot of really short matches that didn't, it just seemed like they were, you know, they wanted to do that opening segment and the closing segment and the Randy Orton bit and then everything else was, well, now we just got to fill in the remaining two hours. And a lot of video packages, video packages that lasted longer than most, if not all of the matches that were on the show. Um, I just, you know, it was, but they did an okay job of hyping the Rumble, about what I normally expect from a go-home show for SmackDown. I agree with you, though. They did a great job of setting up that main event, uh, that setting up that, that triple threat match. Uh, you know, that, that one, we, you know, I was critical last week of how that was just kind of thrown out there and announced at the very end of the show. 
uh, with leaving them only a week to really build any significant high scores. Uh, I'm grand, granted, they were playing off what's a continuing storyline, and it's one of the better storylines in WWE right now, no question about that. But, I, you know, I was critical about how it was just, you know, last second, well, how do you feel about this, Daniel Bryan? Here's your match at, at uh, the Royal Rumble, and, and left it at that. Uh, that didn't make me real happy, but I thought they recovered from that this week. That opening segment, we'll talk about detail in a second, uh, is was was just fantastic. I mean, they just started, show came out, did his thing, set a great foundation. Daniel Bryan comes out, does his bit. Uh, Bart Henry comes out, he's the icing on the cake, as I wrote in my hit list. Uh, he was just, that that really sold that match for me. I thought it would be a pretty good match. Notwithstanding, but that really, and when that segment was over, I was like, wow, I cannot wait to see what they do with these guys in the triple threat at, at the Royal Rumble. Uh, quickly, before we move into the show, though, let me just go ahead and get some thoughts from you on the Royal Rumble. We've only got four matches hyped right now, or booked right now. We've got the, of course, the World Heavyweight Championship match. We've got the WWE title match with CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler. We've got uh, John Cena versus Kane, and then the Rumble match itself. Am I missing a match there? No, I, I think you got them all. I mean, there's only the okay. four, so. Yeah, so far. And we, I'm sure we, we might see one or two more that appear at the Rumble. And I, I just I don't believe the Rumble is going to go so long, especially with only being 30-man again this year. I, I can't think there's only going to be those four matches. But I know your preview and predictions article is already up on the website. I encourage everybody to head over to .net and read that as well. But quickly... Uh, just what do you see happening at the show? Do you, I mean, who do you expect to win the Rumble? Do you expect any type of shenanigans throughout the show? And, and really, the, you know, the question I think that that I want to know is, or know an answer to, is what do you think WWE means by this? For the first time ever, every superstar can be an entrant to the Rumble. Well, I, I guess uh, you know the Royal Rumble match itself is, is interesting. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if. Uh, if we get 30 competitors and then they, you know, they, they pull something last minute and a couple of minutes later the countdown starts again and we get 10 more guys, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, just you know, based on how many people that they've advertised for this show and how many people are talking about guest appearances on Twitter and everything like that. But I expect Jericho to win the Rumble match uh, myself, just because I think he has the most momentum and he's given the. I mean that that promo he gave on on Monday was just one one line along with the rest of his antics is probably. In my opinion, the best hype they've done for the Rumble match so far. I mean, most of the rest of it has just been, you know, guys going over there and throwing each other over the top rope and giving these kind of cursory promos that, you know, wouldn't have mattered anyway any other month of the year. But, uh, you know, I expect Jericho to win the Rumble, and I do expect some shenanigans. I don't think we've seen, you know, everything from him yet. I think he's got some help, and I and I expect, uh, you know, some interesting tactics on his part to help him get the win. Um, you know, as far as the rest of the show goes, I would be surprised if, if uh, you know, we didn't see some forward movement in John Cena's character turn to whatever it is he's going to be from now on. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem to be doing the whole straight baby face thing anymore, which I think is good. I, I don't think he needs to be, uh, you know, the, the cheery baby face in order to get cheers from, from the fans. I think, in fact, he'll probably do better as a more mature character who, you know, who has a more human touch to him rather than this, you know, superhero android that we've been watching for the past five years. Um, but I expect him uh, him to get himself disqualified or something by, by freaking out or something and, and Kane to pick up the win in that match. And I think both champions retain their titles. Did you happen to catch at the end of uh, the show on SmackDown last night? I think uh, Cole announced uh, while Daniel Bryan had big show in the bell lock that he would not be able to win by submission um, in that triple threat match. I wasn't sure if that was a, one of the stipulations, that it was escape only, or if he was just trying to make some kind of reference to it being triple threat and, and submission wouldn't likely get the win. But uh, that would be a different wrinkle to the match if it was escape only, because I think that would favor Brian pretty heavily. Yeah, I, I did catch the line. I was confused by it because it hasn't been announced as a as escape only, and so I, you know, I don't know if that's where they're going with it or... Um, yeah, Cole was just confused or making a reference to the fact that it's triple threat and, you know, there's, you know, you're not going to be able to get a submission probably because that third guy, especially when you're in a cage and there's nowhere for that guy to go, um, yeah, that, that third guy can come over and, and break up that submission. So uh, I don't really know what they were saying there or what Cole, what point, what point Cole was trying to make there exactly. Uh, just real quick on the Rumble, any, uh, anybody, any special appearances you expect to see there? Any, any surprises that you, you know, you would, 
you're, you're really kind of bet on right now as, as people showing up? Well, I saw Wade Barrett mention that uh, that Papa Shango was was supposed to be one of the surprise entrances on Twitter. Whether he was just joking or not, I don't know. But uh, the Godfather slash Papa Shango would be an interesting entry. And I think uh, Jason mentioned on the site that uh, Jim Duggan had canceled his previous uh, you know previous events for this weekend, and him being the original winner of the Rumble and this being the 25th anniversary, I think that'll be a pretty neat one. But I really don't know who else to expect from a from a surprise standpoint, there's all kinds of people all over Twitter, former you know WWE wrestlers and legends, talking about potential appearances, and I think they probably were instructed to do so. So, I would guess we're going to see a bunch of surprises, but I don't know exactly who it's going to be. Yeah, I, I think Doug is probably a good bet because you know, as the story goes, he he canceled his appearances and then and then for and for, for for reasons that cannot be released or something like that was the was the really you know kind of government agency type response to the why that we got. You know, why, why are you canceling? Like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not at liberty to discuss it at this time. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was kind of a great response. Uh, yeah, I think Jim Duggan's probably the best from there. You know, I don't know. It, it looks like it's going to be interesting. I think uh, I agree with you that Jericho is the guy who's going to, to win the Rumble. Um, I think there's some sort of shenanigans that's going to be played there. We might see... You know, I think the every superstar thing is going to play into that in some way. They went out of their way in the, the Rumble by the Numbers video that they do each year to point out that two women had been in. There was a girl that was hinted at in the, the, the videos leading up to Jericho's return. I think that, that might play in in some way. Um, you know, I, I just think there's going to be a lot of shenanigans in the Rumble, especially concerning Chris Jericho. Uh, but he does go on to win. And my preview and predictions article will be up as well. I believe it's going to be up later on uh, on Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this. It might already be up. Um, or if you're, you're one of our early listeners, then it might be up later on in the day. So, uh, But, yeah, my, my predictions will be up. I think we agree on a lot. I think we're going to see uh, possibly even a Cena win. I think maybe where I dis- disagree with you is possibly a Cena win, but certainly with uh, with Kane kind of putting over the way Cena wins, might be something that, that matters with Kane, you know, being like, okay, yes, he won the battle, but I won the war because I'm still making him embrace the hate, which is what, you know, Kane's big thing has been. And I do think both champions retain as well, but I, I'll lay all that out in my article as well. Jake is already up on the site, so do check that out. And let's I'll go through this show. And, again, it was taped on January the 25th in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, they had a good crowd, I thought. The crowd was hot for a lot of things all night, even though they weren't given a lot to work with. Uh, but the show opened with a video that recapped the Big Show and AJ incident from two weeks ago. Of course, Big Show running over AJ by accident and, uh, and ending the match he had with Daniel Bryan at that point. The show opened cold. They just cut to the arena. Big Show's music hit. He came to the ring. Michael Cole, Josh Matthews, and Booker T, as always, checked in on commentary. Big Show took the mic, said he was sorry for what had happened with AJ, that he had gone to the hospital and apologized to AJ, and she had forgiven him immediately. He said that uh, he hoped the fans forgave, forgave him as well, but he was having a hard time forgiving himself. He uh, went through, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was always the big kid, and, uh, you know, I was, no matter how hard I tried, I inevitably ended up hurting people anyway, even though I didn't want to. Um, and, you know, he just didn't know. He loved what he did. He'd been doing it for 13 years, and he really loved it, but he just didn't know if he had the heart to continue anymore. Um, he, he managed to choke up a couple of tears there and, and get really worked up. Uh, he said that, uh, you know, he was honored to be in the main event uh, at the Rumble on Sunday, but that after Sunday he would have to reassess his uh, his career and maybe consider retiring. Daniel Bryan's music hit at that point, and he came to the ring. Bryan cut what I thought was probably the best promo we've seen from him since he became the world's champion. Um, he said that uh, shows apology. You know, so you come out and just apologize. Everything's supposed to be okay. Um, he said, "I know you apologized to AJ and she forgave you, but guess what, genius? She was doped up while you were there. She doesn't even remember you being there." He said that uh, show had everybody fooled, and all these tears and all these apologies and everything else were, were fake, just like uh, his his argument or his, his statement that he was going to reassess his career Sunday was a fake. He said that if Big Show really was a man and was really serious about what he was going, uh, you know, about not hurting anybody else, protecting other people, he would go ahead and do the honorable thing and quit right then. And Show hung his head and was crying a little bit still, and, and Brian kept going on about having him quit. And he started poking him in the chest, and Show was backing up. 
They got all the way to the ropes uh, with Brian pushing him back with his finger. And then Brian said something along the lines of, um, you know, if you're not going to, you, you may not do anything about it, but I can. And he slapped Big Show in the face. Show got the wild eyes. Brian slapped him again. And that's when Show just drove him back into the corner, pinned him there. Uh, luckily for everyone, the, the microphone got pinned in between them so uh, that you could hear what Show had to say. Show got right up in Brian's face and said, what happened to AJ was an accident. What happened to you Sunday won't be. And then he threw Daniel Bryan across the ring. At that point, Mark Henry's music hits, and Henry comes to the ring uh, and says, you know, after watching this love fest out here, I wanted to come out and remind you guys that it was that's a triple threat on Sunday. He looked at Joe, and, and, and this was where I wanted to stand up and take a victory lap. These, these three lines back-to-back just had me rolling. He looked at Joe and goes, I don't care about your hurt feeling. He turned to, to Daniel Bryan. He goes, I don't care about your Napoleon complex. And then he said, and I don't care about some 95-pound little girl wearing a training bra. He said that uh, he was going to win come Sunday. And then he demanded that Daniel Bryan come over to him. He said, and you slipped out on me and my chance for the, the world championship last week, so now I'm going to take your skin off just for general principle. Uh, Bryan tried to beg off, well, it wasn't my fault. It was Teddy Long's fault for putting all the, the lumberjacks out here. They jumped in the ring. They screwed it all up. It's not my fault. At that point, Teddy Long's music hit. He came out to the ramp, said that uh, uh, that uh, he had already booked the one match, Wade Barrett versus Randy Orton that night, but that SmackDown needed to go out with a bang heading into the Royal Rumble. And since two weeks ago, Daniel Bryan had faced the Big Show, and then last week, Daniel Bryan had faced Mark Henry. It only made sense for Mark Henry to face the Big Show tonight, and that, that was his book's main event. He left, and that was the end of the opening segment. We talked about this at, at the beginning, and I, I won't spend a whole lot of time here as far as what I have to say. I'll let you take it. But for me, again, this was just – this was money. It was money from the very beginning. Big Show was perfect. Daniel Bryan came out, added that second layer. He was perfect. Mark Henry came out, wrapped it all up in a real nice bow. Uh, his, Like I said, his three lines, you know, your, your hurt feelings, your Napoleon complex, and a 95-pound girl in a training bra – was just, I mean, just, it's his character to a T. I really, really, really loved this opening segment. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really good. I mean, these guys have history together, both, uh, you know, together and individually. I mean, you know, Brian has history with with both, uh, you know, Henry and, and Cho, and, and, and Henry and Cho obviously have their history together. So, I mean, they, they kind of approached this the right way. They had, you know, they had Henry and uh, come up last after, uh, Brian and Show had already had their very intense argument and, you know, just kind of sticked the, uh, you know, he kind of twisted the knife a little bit in both guys. And I, and I thought the the way the promo worked out was great just from that standpoint because they uh, they were able to, you know, deliver the intensity that you wanted to see out of uh, Brian and, and Big Show considering the events of the past couple of weeks. And then, you know, and then you have the, the addition of Henry who, you know, has been kind of lording over this entire you know, storyline since the beginning. He was the, uh, you know, the the guy Big Show beat for the title, but a guy who is always a threat and a guy, obviously, who is doing a great job on the microphone, you know, making his case for why he should be the champ. So I thought this segment was a home run for all three guys. I thought they all delivered in a big way. You know, and I thought uh, the way Show and, and Brian interacted to start the promo was excellent as well. You know, Brian has managed to turn heel here without, uh, you know, without going over the top and, and you know, having, you know, saying things that are basically – you know, from his perspective of his character, completely true. So, and I think those are the kind of heel characters that work the best. And I'm looking forward to the match uh, on Sunday. And this promo was, uh, you know, kind of cemented that. I, I thought it was excellent overall. Yeah, and, and to me, the genius about what they did here with this promo, and, and I'll talk about what each guy did here. Just the overall understanding of what, what the promo was meant to do is, if you look at triple threat matches, usually what you have in the triple threat match is two baby faces and one heel. And the reason being is because if you have, you know, baby face one versus heel, the fans know what to do. Baby face two versus heel, the fans know what to do. And because we've seen so many show off, showdown matches of big baby face versus big baby face, it's easy. Fans go, okay, well, I can cheer one or the other, and it's really okay either way. So you can have all these guys, you know, work out. When you look back, it was just a couple of shows ago that they had another triple threat match where you had two heels and one baby face, and that doesn't seem to work as well because when the two heels inevitably lock up, fans don't really know what to do. They're like, well, I don't like either guy. So they, they you know, they just kind of sit there and, and they sit on their hands because they're not really sure what to do. 
Here you have two heels again, but Mark Henry's heel character is so wildly different from Daniel Bryan's heel character that Daniel Bryan is a heel because he's picking on the baby face. You know, he's, he's, he's telling show he should quit. He's, you know, all of those things. Mark Henry's a heel just because he's a bad dude and will just go out there and kill people. And so when, when Henry and Brian hook up, the fans are probably going to naturally cheer for Henry, which, which, you know, allows them to have, every, no matter which way they set up, you've got the fans can pick one side or the other, because Brian is the traditional heel, where Henry is only really a heel whenever he's going against the babyface, because really his character is not babyface or heel, he's just a bad SOB, just the baddest dude on the planet, and and so we, what they really did here was they set it up so that this match, no matter who, whoever's taking the powder at that moment and sitting aside and letting the other two guys work, it doesn't matter what setup you have, you know, any two guys are going to be able to get a reaction out of the crowd, which is just, you know, which is a big deal with Triple Threats. Because, again, like I said, you see one where it's got two heels, two traditional-type heels against a baby face. When those two heels hook up, unless you're turning one of them, the fans just kind of sit there and go, I don't really know what to do here, and it hurts the match overall. So I thought they, not only was it good in and of itself, it also did a great job of setting up that match on Sunday and allowing the fans there to cheer for somebody, no matter who's actually wrestling together at the point. We went to commercial and we came back. Cody Rhodes and Justin Gabriel made their ring entrances. Cody had a, a cut-in promo, one of the little kind of old-school cut-in promos that they did, that he was going to defeat Gabriel and go on to win the Rumble and then headline WrestleMania. And that led to our first match of the night, the first disappointing match of the night, uh, but not the last. Cody Rhodes defeating Justin Gabriel at 2 minutes and 11 seconds. It's a two-minute match. Everything happened so fast. You know, it, it, you, you really – it's one of those things where when matches are short like this, you can't really critique them because it's two minutes and 30 seconds of it is oftentimes them – you know, circling each other and going in that first lockup, and then we get a headlock or something like that, or, you know, just a quick shoulder tackle. Then they finally get going, and then the match is over. So it's it's hard to say this was good or bad, uh, other than the fact that it was short, and I would have much rather liked to seen these two guys go. I'm hoping that after the Rumble, this is a match that they're building up to, possibly moving the title off of Cody so that he can end up in the Elimination Chamber, uh, come the next pay-per-view, uh, or even if they don't move the title off of him, just, you know, to kind of give him a lift and get him into that elimination chamber at the next pay-per-view, because I think this guy's ready to sniff the main event, don't you? Yeah, there's really no doubt. I mean, the guy's ready, and it's just a matter of time. It's, uh, you know, they got to get him some, some meaningful feuds with uh, some, you know, upper card talent and have him pick up meaningful victory, and then he's right there. I mean, it's it's just a matter of telling the right story and getting in there, and I think the Elimination Chamber is a good opportunity just because of how good he is, you know, both on the microphone and in the ring lately. He's definitely got a chance to, uh, you know, to make it big right now, and I think, you know, they got to strike while the iron is hot. They don't want to give him any more chances to cool off. Yes, so, uh, you know, hopefully this is going to lead to a longer feud. I'd love to see these guys go about 10, 12 minutes. I think they could give us a fantastic match. Justin Gabriel, great in the ring. Uh, not the best promo guy right now, still working on his charisma, but I think that Cody is a, is a good enough foil that he can give a guy a lift, uh, and we can see more out of Gabriel. They cut backstage to the first of, of a couple of Santino moments tonight that just really aggravated me. Uh, Santino was trying to convince Teddy Long to book a the Extreme Loser Leaves Town match, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but if the loser gets put into a rocket ship with monkeys or was shot to a planet that was full of monkeys? I, not that it really matters, I guess, but I, what was he talking about? I thought he, excuse me, I thought he said the uh, the winner would get sent to the moon on a rocket with monkeys. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's what he said. I, I don't know where he got that from at all. Yeah, it was it was a really strange moment, and it just got weirder from there. Yoshitatsu walks in, Tatina says, oh, it's, it's a good thing that uh, that he's here because now we can introduce you, Teddy, to the to the future tag team champions, uh, and said that they were. Oh, let me find you here, Santoshi. He said that, you know, combined they were Santoshi, and Yoshitatsu said no, uh, Yoshitino, no Santoshi, no Yoshitino, and it went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, Drew McIntyre shows up and uh, 
Santino ends up leaving after making an awkward comment about, you know, beating Drew McIntyre. So the, the, the idiot tag team leaves. You get Drew begging for another chance. You get, um, you know, Teddy Long willing to give him another chance. You know, McIntyre pointed out that, that uh, Babe Ruth had struck out five times in one game. And Teddy said, well, yeah, but even though he struck out periodically, uh, most of the time he hit it out of the park. So you need to hit one out of the park and batter up your matches next against Sheamus. I, 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 I'm done with the Drew McIntyre thing. I mean, I, really, I am. It's, it's like, why? You jobbed the Santino twice, and now you're going to put him in a match with Sheamus, and we're supposed to believe for a split second that he can beat Sheamus? He can't beat Santino, even while cheating, which you just pointed out perfectly, Teddy Long. You honestly expect us to think he can beat Sheamus? What are they doing with this guy? I don't know. Like, like we talked about last week, I think he's getting punished for something, but I don't know what. You know, he's got the talent. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But it seems like he's, uh, you know, he's, he's wading through the uh, the politics of backstage WWE, and this is what he's getting for it. And I, uh, I feel bad for the guy because he's got a lot of talent, and he's good in the ring. And uh, you know, he, when he's given a chance on the microphone, he, he's shown in the past that he's got the ability to get, uh, you know, to get a storyline over and get a character over. So. I'm really not sure where they're going or what they're doing or what their plan is, and I'm, I'm not even sure that they know what their plan is. I, I just think he's being put out there, uh, you know, to to be a laughing stock, and hopefully, uh, you know, that will be the catalyst for a character change that will, you know, allow him to be taken seriously again. It, it, it feels like the typical, you know, well, we don't know what to do with anyone, so let's have him go on a losing streak, and then we can, you know, when, then we can figure out what to do when we want to give him a win. I mean, it, it's... Uh, it's something that they've done pretty frequently over the past couple of years, and rarely does it ever work. Yeah, you just about him being punished, and, and I mean, I understand the, the the thought process there, but damn, he was off TV forever. What what more punishment could he need? He's he's, he's only drawing his downside. He's not getting anything, uh, you know, while he's sitting off TV. Now they've got him back, and he's at least earning more money, I guess, for appearing on TV. But damn, he's chopping the Santino, and then you know, after commercial, we get out, and it's our second match of the night, Sheamus defeating Drew McIntyre in two minutes and 49 seconds. You know, Drew got in a couple offensive moves, but, I mean, he hit a really nice Northern White suplex at, at one point in the match, but uh, he turns around, Sheamus kicks his head off with the pro kick, one, two, three. I really, it's, it's frustrating what they're doing with him. And, and you know, for Sheamus, I, I don't think this helps him at all, do you? No, and I don't think anything that they've really done with Sheamus leading up to the to the Rumble has helped him. I mean, he's been, you know, he's been out there with with Barrett occasionally while Orton went out, you know, as the kind of the stand-in for Orton. But then he he got mixed up with Mahal, who was meaningless, and now, you know, he goes out there and kills McIntyre. I guess, you know, I don't really understand, you know, what they're doing with Sheamus either. He's just kind of in a holding pattern. You know, trying to maintain, you know, the crowd reactions that he's getting. And so far, I mean, that part of it is working. But I don't really see him benefiting from anything he's done over the past, you know, four weeks or so. And it's, it's frustrating what they're doing all along with these guys. And we went straight back to commercial. I mean, they they, they come, go to commercial, come back, McIntyre's in the ring, Sheamus makes his entrance, and he got a great pop. And then he, he squashes McIntyre and then back to commercial again. Uh, after commercial, we got the Rubble by the Numbers video, and then Santino and Yoshi make their entrance in a weird, very bizarre way with Santino doing his power walking and Yoshi acting like he was trying to follow him but being confused or whatever, and then right back to commercial. It, it's, it, it, was it just me or did it just seem like these were all it, – it's almost like they had these segments written up and then they just – plucked them out of a hat and put them together to some degree. And, I mean, it just seemed like a lot of disconnected stuff. Like there was no flow from one thing to the next. It was, was, am I the only one that felt that way, or did you get that? Too? No, I, I kind of got that as well. It, it just felt like a disjointed show. I mean, the, the main event uh, matches, you know, with, with Orton and Barrett and, uh, the you know, the opening and closing segments kind of felt like they were the, you know, the anchors of the show. But, uh Everything that happened in between those, you know, just kind of felt like it was, uh, you know, like boggle or word soup or something where they just kind of ended up uh, in no particular order. And yeah, I don't know if that if it's necessarily, uh, the, you know, the case. I'm sure they had some order to them, but it, it just felt so random and and, uh, and disjointed that it, it never really picked up a flow, which is what you want uh, on one of, on one of these shows. You know, when you 
we talk about, you know, once in a while, you know, looking at the clock and figuring how good a show has been based on how quickly the show goes by. And, you know, last night for me, it was just like, holy crap, I still got 45 minutes of this to cover. It just, it just did not flow very well. It, and, you know, aside from those three, three opening, uh, you know, middle and closing segments, I, it, nothing really felt like it uh, grabbed my attention. So it was a, it was a struggle to get through last night. Yeah, I was the same way. I, I remember when I typed quarter seven, I was like, really? Another half hour? <laughs> We're not there yet? Come on. Uh, but after that commercial, we had the third match of the night, Epico and Primo defeating Santino and, uh, and Yoshi at two minutes and 17 seconds. It was a non-title tag match. Uh, we did get another cut-in promo from Rosa where she spoke about her boys in Spanish. Um, we had a two-minute match again. We get uh, all four guys in the ring, get that, that big smile as everybody's fighting everybody else. You have uh, Santino hitting the Cobra on Primo for the big pop, but before he could cover, Epico hit a backstabber on Santino. Primo covered for the win. Um, I mean, I, really, for, for matches the rest of the night, except for the main event, is there's not a whole lot to say from my point of view, except maybe one, the, the Unico and, and Ted DiBiase match might have a little bit. But, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say about these matches. Feel free to to, to, to pontificate on them. But, I, I mean, they're, they're two-minute matches that fill time. That's all they really were. Yeah, there really wasn't even much of a chance to build up any momentum. I mean, it was just, you know, okay, we're we're starting the match, and then as soon as, you know, you get settled into what you think would be a groove to where they would, you know, start working in, uh, you know, some tags and whatnot, the thing was over. So, I don't know. It, it's hard to really comment on a lot of these really short matches just because yeah. there's so little to talk about. But, uh, you know, I, I don't mind these guys as the tag champs, but they really have no competition at this point, which is, you know, should be obvious based on who they're sending out to fight them. Yeah, the only competition they have at this point is trying to stay heel while Rose is out there shaking her ass. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's, that's their biggest hurdle at this point is can we continue to have people boo us as she's out there grinding uh, in the middle of the ring. So uh, they cut backstage. Daniel Bryan walked up to Mark Henry. I thought this was another good work by both guys. Henry said, you better have a damn good reason for being here. Uh, Bryan went into, you know, started this thing again about, we, you know, last week wasn't my fault. Teddy Long screwed that up. I would have been happy to give you another rematch, but Teddy Long is the guy that put the triple threat. It's obvious that he wants Big Show to be the champion. You know, I, I don't think that's right. I think you should go out there and, and make it so that you and I are the only people involved with that triple threat match or with that match on Sunday. Uh, you know, normally I would never say this but by any other competitor, but I think you need to hurt Big Show and, and put him out, and then it can just be you and I. Um, he said, you know, Big Show's a menace. He continues to hurt people. He hurt my girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, he went to the whole thing again and, and really kind of, he goes, and I, you know, people know you can pin Big Show. People know you can hurt Big Show. And how many times has Big Show hurt you? And, uh, you know, Henry kind of really sucked that up and, and, you know, David Bryan said, think about it, clapped him on the shoulder. Henry, you know, hey, when he, when he touched him, but then, you know, didn't go after him, just sat there and thought about what he said. I, I thought it was a good segment. It wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't something that set the world on fire like the opening segment. But I thought it told the story that it needed to tell. They did a great, a good job of, of getting through it. Yeah, there really wasn't a whole lot of work for Henry to do here. It was mostly just kind of Brian barking at him. But I, I thought Brian did a pretty good job, uh, you know, getting the point across that, uh, you know, that he was just trying to leverage whatever, you know, heel tactics he could to get these two to go out there and kill each other tonight. And I, you know, from his perspective. Uh, that's probably a pretty good move, you know. I mean, if you can get your two monster opponents to uh, to go out there tonight and kill each other, then it makes your job a heck of a lot easier on Sunday. And I, and I thought the way he got there by, uh, you know, by talking about, you know, everybody kind of building up Henry's confidence and, and, and talking about how everybody knows he can beat Joe and whatnot, I, I thought it was very good. You know, like you said, it wasn't uh, nearly as compelling as the opening segment, but I thought it, it, it did a good job of furthering along the storyline that, that's taking place tonight on the show, building towards the main event. Yeah, it didn't have to be as good as the, as the opening segment to, to accomplish what it what it needed to, and I thought it, it's exactly what it did was it accomplished what it needed to. Um, and, and again, this continues to be that I, I do believe their story continues to be the best story in all of WWE right now. After commercial, we uh, came back to the ring. Wade Barrett made his ring entrance. He said that uh, Randy Orton was supposed to be there tonight, but he wasn't going to be there because while Orton might be physically able to return to the ring, he wasn't spiritually able to return to the ring because you don't go through what Orton went through and ever be the same again. He said, just to remind everyone what that is, he set up the video. 
uh, that Cole narrated through showing the uh, the brawl, the False Count Anywhere brawl or, or whatever. I think it was a False Count Anywhere match uh, that ended up spilling backstage and then going into the elevator, which we've, we've been wildly critical about. We won't rehash that here. Uh, and then, of course, leading to the stair spot where he supposedly threw him down the stairs with the terrible camera work. Um, you know, he, he went through all that, showed all that, and was, and was they cut back to, to Barrett. Barrett's, uh, you know, trying to continue on about the that's right. After that, you, you're never the same again. But Randy Orton's music hit. The place went nuts. The Titantron lit up, and it showed Orton walking backstage. This aggravated me. I don't know why they always feel the need to show guys, especially like Orton, walking around backstage with their music playing. Why are they not already at Gorilla and, re- and ready to come out whenever their music hits? It's just a personal thing for me. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. For me, it's just an eye-rolling moment. Uh, but Orton makes his way through the backstage area. They turn off the video, cut back to his normal entrance video. He comes out. When he steps out on the stage, the place went completely bonkers. There's no question this guy is way the hell over. Plus, Tucson was pretty hot. I mean, they they went they were screaming for Justin Gabriel when he came out I mean, earlier in the show. So it was a, it was a real good crowd. Um Orton ran to the ring. Barrett jumped out of the ring and attacked him there on the floor. Orton got the better of him. They ended up in the ring uh, with Orton beating up Barrett in the corners, you know, on the turnbuckle, punching him in the face. A few refs ran out to try to break it up. That didn't work, so they went back to brawling around on the floor again. Uh, then you had Teddy Long run out and start waving out a bunch of the jobbers from the back. The, uh, the or maybe it's not fair to call them jobbers. It's the I guess you could say the superstars uh, roster is who we had come out. Uh, Kurt Hawkins, Tyler uh, Rex, um, who else was it? Uh, Trent the Usos and Yeah, Trent Beretta, that's right. Trent Beretta and the Usos. So he has those guys come out and uh, and pull Horton off. That allows Barrett to get in a cheap shot, so they continue brawling again. Then they end up separating both guys. Barrett rolls out of the ring and, and escapes up the ramp. You have Horton in the ring with the five guys who ran out. And everything up to this point I thought was very well done. I'm glad they didn't have the match. I'm glad it ended up being a brawl so they can come back to this later. Everything about it was good, and then the wheels came off at an alarming rate. Orton hits an RKO on one of the guys. I don't remember which one it was. He hits Tyler an RKO. Rex I'm not was the first one. Tyler Rex was the first one? Okay, so Rex is the first one to take the RKO. I expected somebody to take it. I mean, I was really fine with the first one. Then you got, I think it was Beretta, no, Hawkins, got in his face and was like, hey, what, you know, why would you do that? So he takes an RKO. And then, you know, Beretta takes the, the last one, and then the Usos both end up taking Well, you get five RKOs almost back to back to back. It makes all five of those guys look stupid for just standing there and taking the move. It really doesn't add anything to Orton. I mean, the fans were hot for him hitting the RKOs. By the time, the, I mean, by the time he was hitting the Usos with it, I was like, wow, you just took all the heat off of that original brawl and pull apart. Now it's just this silliness. I, I, it, was, it was such a roller coaster for me because I really liked how they, how they did the brawl and the pull apart, and then it was just crashing downhill after that. What did you think of the segment? Yeah, you know, I mean, Orton's character is, is the guy that is supposed to strike out of nowhere and be, you know, kind of the the stealth, uh, you know, assassin with the RKO. And, it, you know, this was kind of a, hey, I, I want to be Stone Cold Steve Austin, so I'm just going to start dropping RKOs on people who are just going to stand there and take it. And it just didn't work for his character. And it certainly made, you know, the guys that ended up taking him look ridiculous. I mean, there's <laughs> they came out there to break up a brawl. They weren't fatigued. They weren't, you know, distracted as part of a match. They just kind of stood there and waited their turn to take an RKO. So, I don't know. I, it kind of made a mockery of the whole segment, and uh, you know, you're right. It did kind of steal the heat right off of the brawl that had taken place, which really was pretty good. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I just didn't get it. I mean, he's, you know, he's the apex predator, like you said. He's the guy who strikes out of nowhere, and that, you know, that move going back to the diamond cutter uh, from, you know, RKO before that with, with Diamond Dallas Page. That was the doctor. That was the whole big thing about that move from him was. You never know where the diamond cutter is going to come from. You can hit it out of a bunch of different places. And, uh, you know, Orton, even though it's not exactly the same thing, he did try to, you know, he is kind of the the guy who kept that, that idea behind you, that you can hit it out of nowhere. And you're right, he just he tried to stone cold everybody and just hit, you know, a stunner after a stunner after a stunner. And it just didn't work. Like I said, the guys looked bad. It took a lot of the heat off. People, I, even the cheers, I thought by the end, by the time the last two so took it, they were like, oh, there's, you know, 
Yeah, the big surprise that guy took one too. It was really just a frustrating moment. Again, I thought the first half was good. The brawl was very good, and I'm looking forward to what he and Barrett are going to do in the future. My guess is we see something uh, significant from those guys in the Rumble, wouldn't you think? I would have to guess, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there has to be some kind of significant interaction between them because I, I assume both of them will probably end up in the Elimination Chamber. After commercial, we get a video that recap Ray Mysterio's win at the Rumble. That was 2006, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, after that video, we cut backstage to where Brian's talking to Caitlin. He asked Caitlin to do AJ a favor and to, and she said, of course, AJ's my best friend. I'll do anything for her. He said, good. Go tell Big Show that Mark Henry is going to try to hurt him tonight. And, and she said, well, is that a favor for AJ or a favor for you? And uh, Brian said, it's both, you know, uh, AJ loves me, you know that, and, and so, you know, anything that's, that's for me is also for her because of that, and Caitlin said, okay, I'll go I'll go talk to show, but you do me a favor first, tell me how you really feel about AJ. Brian, you know, kind of stammered for a second, said, you know, Caitlin, you know that I'm a, that I'm a, a private kind of guy, you know, I like to keep things to myself, but the sooner you talk to Big Show, the better off we'll be, and that's how they left it. I wasn't as impressed with this one. I mean, what they, they they did what they had to do to get Caitlin talking to um, the Big Show, and they and they continued to play on the fact that you know Brian won't say that he loves AJ. My guess is, is that they're building to AJ returning and turning on him. Though I could be wrong, they could have the swerve in uh, in effect where uh, you know she turns heel, and even though he won't necessarily profess his love, she's still just so in love with him that she's willing to to do whatever, even though he won't go that far. I don't really, I mean, honestly, I think there, there, there's a reason why they keep coming back today. He went out of his way in last week's promo to say, you know, I, I have, a, I, I have very strong, uh, well, how did he put it? He was, he, do you remember how he said it last week? Yeah, she, he said that, uh, you know, she loved him and that he, uh, I think he said something like he had a great admiration for her or yeah. something like that. Yeah, great admiration for her and, and, you know, then this week, you know, he wrote, she loves me, and then, you know, of course, he was asked, how do you feel, and he, and he put it aside. So I think there's some story going there, or some purpose that they're, they're going to tell in the story there. Uh, we'll have to wait and see for when AJ comes back to know for sure. But, you know, again, this wasn't great, but, it you know, it, it, it did what it needed to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it got them where they were going. I mean, that, that's really all you can say about it. I mean, you know, Caitlin isn't a terrific actress, and... and <laughs> You know, Brian didn't have a whole lot to say here except, uh, you know, the continuation of stuff we already knew. So it was, uh, you know, it, it was okay for what it was, but, it, you know, it, it wasn't anything that you're going to remember anytime soon. Um, let's see. They After that, they went out to the ring, and uh, we had our fourth match of the night, Unico, with Camacho defeating Ted DiBiase at a minute and 31 seconds. Ted DiBiase, of course, sporting a heavily taped and uh, had some splints in it, it looked like, uh, on his left wrist. Um, is that right? Yes, his left wrist. And, uh, of course, for, for those who haven't read on the site, Teddy Biasi did confirm he did break his uh, wrist and tore some cartilage in the wrist. Uh, he's able to work through it, obviously, but, of course, immediately Unico went for the, the arm in the match. Uh, he worked on it very quickly. Again, a 90-second match, and everything happened so very fast. Uh, you get Teddy Biasi coming back from just the attack on the arm, hitting a clothesline with his good arm, and then he tried to hook for Dream Street, but he sold that his arm was too hurt to pick up Unico. Unico ends up hitting something like a kind of a modified, uh, a, a merging of a Samoan slam and, a, and an angle slam, kind of those two things put together, if you will, for the victory. And then post-match, Camacho climbs in the ring. They attack DiBiase, throw him to the floor, put his hand on the top of the stairs, and Camacho stomps on it on the stairs uh, before both those guys leave and leave the trainers checking on DiBiase uh, on the floor. I, you know, I, I'm not really, again, it was a 90-second match, so you can only say so much about the match. But I do, I think these guys are going to get more time after the Rumble. I, it, it's always been my biggest gripe about TV leading up to the Rumble is that, you know, they, they just put guys in holding patterns, and, and they might do a little something to set up a feud for after the Rumble, but they don't do a whole lot, and that's kind of what they've done here. But I'm hopeful that these two are going to get a good run after the Rumble with each other and, and see if we can maybe get a pay-per-view match out of it or at least a long TV match. Because I think it could be a very good match, and, and, and Unico's getting a great push right now. And as long as they keep Camacho, the, the, the fake Mexican, quiet, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, this was, uh, you know, it was all right. I, mean, it, I, I wasn't sure when they did the stomp on the stairs if they were 
uh, kind of give it away that DiBiase was going to have to go away for a couple of weeks to could cast it up and, and maybe heal a little bit before they want to send him back out there or, or what they were going to do. But, uh, I mean, it, you know, these guys have had uh, had this storyline going for a couple of months, and, or actually, excuse me, a couple of weeks. So it's uh, it's kind of ridiculous that they're using so much of the uh, ethnic tension to kind of try to sell it the, you know, the, the kind of class warfare stuff that you had uh, sent me a message about last night about, you know, Cole talking about, you know, Hugo being brought up in a barrio and, and, and kind of the silver spoon of Ted DiBiase. So, uh, you know, the, that's kind of what they're using to sell this. Uh, it's very uh, kind of bizarre as far as, you know, why they have to go this route to sell a storyline between two wrestlers. But, you know, I can see these two making it work just because I think they're both talented enough that they could, you know, they could make it interesting in the ring to get, you know, to overcome kind of a lackluster storyline. Yeah, they, the, the specific comment that Cole made was is that Ted DiBiase should release his tax return. And as soon as I heard that, my head wanted to shoot off my neck. I, really? We're using class warfare to try to get something over in wrestling? Oh, really? I got a mighty. So, yeah, that was, that was frustrating, but not nearly as frustrating as what happened next. They cut backstage. We get Oksana and Teddy watching on the monitor. We get the noir, you know, porn music that we always get the sax thing with uh, with Oksana. Teddy says, I-, I need to go check on Ted. Natalia runs in at that point and shuts, you know, the lights come back up, the music shuts down. She says she wants to get her hands on Tamina because she's gone all super fly and she wants to, to beat her. Oksana goes, yes, I saw two weeks ago I saw Tamina squash Natalia like a great uh, Natty said, oh, you think that's funny, huh? Well, I can go out there and, and, and beat that whack job and beat you, too. <laughs> Oksana says, whack job? Uh, what Teddy and I do in private, and then in probably what was the funniest moment of the night, Teddy goes, oh, Oksana, kayfabe, and, and he coughs out the word kayfabe, which, like, when it happened, I thought, did that really happen? And then I saw someone tweet about it, and then I tweeted about it just to make sure. I was like, did he really say kayfabe? I went back this morning and watched. He did say kayfabe. That that didn't save the segment, but for me personally, that was just funny to hear him throw out that word to, to shut Oksana up. Uh, he said, "Well, Oksana, you want to? You've been wanting to compete. Natty's obviously wanting to, so I will make it uh, Oksana versus Natalia next." Um, Oksana or Natalia said, "Good. I can't wait to get you in the ring and make you cry." And then somebody farted. And, uh, yes, that, you heard that correctly. If you didn't watch SmackDown and you're just listening and you're going, what? Yes, somebody heard it. I, I don't know who it was supposed to be. I think maybe it was Natalia because she left first without really making a face. And then Teddy and Oksana sold it as being gross. And he's like, oh, I have to go check on Ted. And he took off and he said, Teddy Wade and chased after him. And then the camera stayed still and Santino Morello walks into the frame. Ends up taking a sniff and then goes, oh, it's in my mouth, and gags and then runs out of the the frame, and we go to commercial. Uh, Once again, I pulled up my resignation letter to send to Jason Powell because I cannot believe a fart joke. Really? I mean, first we get the the, the ignorant double entendre that we get every single week from Teddy and Oksana, and they put the period on the sentence with a fart gag. Are Are you kidding me? Yeah, this was the uh, you know the epitome of of ridiculous. I mean, it, the uh, Oksana stuff I almost kind of just kind of let flow to the back of my mind, but the the fart joke I mean it was just so stupid. I, and, and I think it was supposed to be Natalia, and I really hope this isn't going to become like a recurring thing for her. If we got to deal with you know Natalia having some kind of intestinal distress every week, I might just forward my resignation letter right along with yours over to Powell because I'm not going to be able to handle this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just it, I, like it happened, and I was like, "Was that a fart?" Did, like I was, I was, I wasn't at my house. I was over at our clubhouse watching there, and there were some people there. And I'm kind of looking around. I'm like, "Did one of them fart?" Did that sound bad? Because I could not believe it was happening on television. But I it was comically so loud too. I mean, it, it wasn't like you know uh, a fart slipped out in the you know by accident. I mean, it was like you know it was like somebody farted into a microphone. It was it was yeah. ridiculously loud. Yeah, it really was. It, you know, and then they all just looked at each other. Oh, God, it was so tragic. As I wrote in my hit list, you know, it, it, I, who I feel for is anybody who was like, no, come watch SmackDown, come on, you know, somebody trying to get one of their friends who's, you know, kind of on the fence or whatever. And 
If you know the Rumble's coming up on Sunday, and the Rumble's always awesome. Come on, come watch SmackDown with me. Okay, I'll watch SmackDown with you. And then they get a fart joke, and, and an ignorant fart joke on top. I mean, not that there's great fart jokes, but God, I man, it, I feel bad for anybody sitting there because you know their friend had to be like, "Thanks for inviting me over for the fart joke." That's unbelievable. Uh, we went to commercial. We came back. Alex Riley was in the ring. They showed a video that recapped the dance-off last week that led to William Ringle getting the what the funk from Brodus Clay. And then Brodus makes his entrance with his girls. Even Alex Riley was dancing in the ring, which led to our fifth match of the night. Brodus Clay is squashing Alex Riley at 33 seconds. Riley again was dancing as they got ready. He danced after the bell rang, which impressed Brodus. Brodus had checked this out and did his jiggle thing. Riley put his fist out to do a pound, uh, and uh, Brodus raised his hand and said like he wanted to do a high five. When Riley picked his hand up to do the high five, Brodus hooked his hand up underneath that and hit his big, uh, his big tall suplex slam. Uh, started yelling, my bad, should I get him? All his catchphrases, he did the splash in the corner and then hit the what the funk crossbody for the win, and then he and the girls danced. I, I am not changing my opinion of Brodus play again. I, I still think he's a fun act. This has been fun to watch play out. But I'm done with the squash matches. Really, at this point, you've squashed all the guys you need to squash. We know you're a badass. We know you're a tooth chipper, as you said in that one interview. It's time to move into a meaningful feud. I've been forgiving up to this point because, again, they're holding guys through the Rumble. But if the next time we see him, whether it's on Monday or or next Friday, the next time we see him, it better be leading into a feud, or I think the shine's going to come off this guy quick. Yeah, I would have to say the same thing. I think if he doesn't move into something quickly, uh, you know, it's quickly going to get tired. And, you know, maybe they just wanted to get to the Royal Rumble uh, before, you know, they moved him into an actual storyline, and I understand that. So, you know, I, I'm guessing that's the case here, and, and we'll have the Rumble on Sunday, and, you know, hopefully he'll have a good showing, and then, you know, come Monday we'll we'll have a storyline for him, or maybe, you know, the, the beginning of, of, of a storyline for him, so... You know, and it may be, you know, maybe he'll be in the uh, in the chamber. I don't know. That'd be kind of a fun uh, <laughs> to have an actual uh, comedy character make it into the main event elimination chamber. Might actually be interesting. It might give a different kind of dynamic to that match. But we'll have to see what happens. I'm hoping at least he gets a real angle on Monday. Yeah, I, I believe the the the, the uh, comedy character in the elimination chamber. When I see it, that just doesn't strike me as a man's way. But it would be fun to watch play out, probably. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 maybe that he's going into a feud with Regal, and that's what they set up last week. Uh, Regal came out and talked about it on Raw this week, so maybe that's where they're going. But I, I, I could not care less who it is, just somebody. They've got to get away from these squash matches because we get it. He's a badass who can dance. Now we need some more character development from him. So, interested to see what they do after the Rumble with him. They cut backstage where Caitlin was talking to the big show. We didn't hear what they were saying, but obviously she was informing him of. Uh, Mark Henry's plan. We went to commercial. When we came back, we had what, what I thought was the the weirdest moment, just the way they, they tried to make mesh two things. They showed an old Wheaties box. And I don't remember who was on the, the cover of the Wheaties box, but, you know, it's, it's an athlete, and, and you know, they're taking up the whole Wheaties box, and then they go, well, now John Cena's on a pretty good box. And it's, he doesn't take up the whole box like a Wheaties. He's just at the very top. He's still got Fred, Fred Flintstone below it. Um I, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that he's on Pretty Pebbles and they're doing a, uh, a contest with it. I think it's tied in with Make-A-Wish. But comparing it to Wheaties just seemed a little strange to me. How about you? Yeah, that was a little bizarre. But, uh, you know, I, I guess they have to, you know, to go with their promotional machine as much as they can. And that's the best uh, That's the best comparison they can make. You know, it, it, it was a bit strange that they, uh, you know, they give Cena like a, you know, a note card size picture on the on the top corner of a Freddie Pebbles box, and they compare it to like you know, like a World Series championship uh, Wheaties box. But it is what it is. I mean, WWE is just going to ignore reality whenever they have the opportunity. That's right. And then we got the video that replayed. This always aggravates me. It aggravated me when The Rock was around the first time, and they, they did it again here, where they basically replayed the entire Zack Ryder and Kane match and segment. Uh, from Monday Night Raw, they did cut some of the match out, and, and, and actually they cut out enough that if, if this had been the actual match on Monday, it would have been a lot better. Because I, I, Jason and I both agree, I'm not sure where you are on it, but the, oh, the match was okay. They just went too long with it, and, and I think you called it slow motion murder. It doesn't even work in the movies, and that, that's a fair way to put it. Um, but they went through the whole thing, showing him being taken to the back and put in the ambulance, and 
uh, Eve doing her best to, to, to portray the worst actress in the history of cinema. Um, and But they, they did manage to cut out that final really weird, angry face from Cena. Um, you know, I, I don't know what else to say about this. They, there was no reason to replay the whole thing. I, I, I don't understand why that got as much love as it did as opposed to the, the WWE title match um, for, for, for Rumble. But, you know, it's Hayes Johnson, and it is what it is. Anything you want to add about this? Yeah, I, mean, I think both of you and Jason are, are right. I think, you know, the, the premise of what they did on Monday wasn't bad. I mean, you know, having Ryder get hurt, uh, you know, gets him off TV, gives him a break, gives, uh, you know, gives the storyline between Cena and, and Kane a little bit of the focus. But it took way too long to get there. I mean, if they would have had Kane, you know, if there was no match and they would just would have had Kane interrupt Ryder's entrance and choke slam him through the ramp and run away through the crowd, and when you know when Cena ran out after him, that probably would have been a hell of a lot better segment. But uh, but they decided to, to kind of let the you know let the horse sit out there and get beat for a few extra minutes that was that was necessary. But you know the that wasn't even the worst part about it. I mean, Cena and Eve's acting was. Uh, was the real uh, torture for me watching that segment again, just because it was, I mean, they're, they're just so over the top and bad at times. But, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, Kane, uh, Kane segments are what they are. Kane storylines are what they are. If you're, if you're a fan of them, you're a fan of them. And if you're not, you're not. And I, I kind of fall into the latter category. I, I think these, uh, these supernatural storylines have, uh, have long stayed past their welcome. Yeah, I think the story's gotten better. Uh, I mean, when it, when they first did it and, and, and Ryder's involvement, it was really, really campy and cheesy and it wasn't meant to be, and, but it came across that way. And I think they've, they've, they've gotten better with it. It's still not quite good yet, but I, I do think it's better than it was at the first part of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we'll just have to see where this goes. I'm interested to see if, if Ryder comes back as a heel. I'm interested to see. Eve needs a heel turn something desperate, and so I, I'm hoping maybe this might be a, a, a you know catalyst for her to turn as well, but we'll see how it plays out come Sunday for sure. After the video, Natty, uh, Natalia was already in the ring. Oksana made her ring entrance, and yes, that same saxophone, uh, you know, detective noir, you know, porn music that she we hear backstage whenever she shows up, that is also her entrance theme, including with the lights going out and the purple lights coming up and stuff. It was It was kind of hilarious which led to our sixth match of the night, which was anything but hilarious. Oksana defeating Natalia in six seconds. The bell rang, and Natty yelled something out to the crowd or up the ramp or something. I, I looked away for just a second to click start on my timer, and when I looked up, I noticed she was pointing out of the ring, and then Oksana hits her from behind with a schoolboy roll-up and the one, two, three victory. Uh, what? What just happened here? Uh, uh, Oksana starts, you know, uh, celebrating with the class of the crowd. Uh, Natty attacks her from behind, locks in the sharpshooter. Tamina runs out to make the save. Natty tries to hit a clothesline. Tamina ducks it, hits the Samoan slam, and then hits the big splash from the top and does her super fly pose in the ring. Um, I just wanted to quit again. I mean, I really, why even put that on there? It took a total of one minute. They're, they couldn't have found a minute. They couldn't have shown another minute. Honestly, as, 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 as much as I said the Kane and Zack Ryder match just needed to be shorter, I rather would have taken another minute of that match than watching this garbage. Yeah, there really wasn't a whole lot of sense to this. And, uh, you know, just watching, uh, you know, Tamina hit that Samoan drop and splash again, that stuff looks like it hurts, man. I, I don't know if she's, uh, you know, she's doing that a little extra tight or what, but, I mean, Natty, the looks of pain on her face after she takes those moves, I feel bad for her out there. But, uh, you know, the, overall this is just another one of those, you know, what are they doing with the deepest moments where it, it becomes obvious that this is just, you know, complete filler that they spend absolutely no time on it. And it, it's sad just because, it, you know, we've gone over it countless times before that there's, there's money to be made with women wrestling and they, and they just kind of ignore it. But I guess we just have to live with that. Yeah, it's, you know what, that's fine if you don't believe there's money that can be made with it. So, but then why do this with it? You know, that's the part. That, I mean, I'm happy that these girls are out there and able to make, you know, WWE money because, you know, we, as we've talked about, TNA is the next best-paying group out there. And, you know, one time the Knockouts champion was also having to work part-time at a sunglasses hut uh, just to be able to make ends meet as the champion. So it's, you know, I'm happy they're making the money, but it's just it's so frustrating. Do something with them. 
just anything other than this. This just doesn't seem to make any sense at all. Big Show made his ring entrance, and after commercial, Mark Henry made his. Before the bell could ring to start their match, though, Daniel Bryan made his ring entrance and uh, sat on a, a chair in front of the announce team. He did not join them on the headset. That led to our seventh and final match of the night, Big Show defeating Mark Henry in about four minutes. Uh, the time is kind of suspect on this because we get the match starts. Uh, Henry goes to the floor. Show hits Henry a couple times. Henry goes to the floor. They fight on the floor. They get back in the ring. Show's beating up Henry in the corner. Henry comes back with punches. He hits Show two or three times, and then he steps forward with one punch and his knee buckle. And uh, the report going around now is that he and that he hyperextended his knee at, at that moment. Uh, he went. He just went down to the ground. The ref stepped in and, and, and you know pushed Big Show back. Henry rolls to the floor. We went to commercial, and when we came back. Daniel Bryan hits Big Show with a with a chair. I mean, just in, as soon as it comes back, he's in mid swing, and he hits Show with a, a chair in the back in the middle of the ring. What had happened was, according to we were filled in later by the announce team, uh, Mark Henry had rolled to the floor before the commercial break. We saw he climbed back up onto the ring apron. Show hit him again. Henry fell back to the floor, was not able to to answer the ten count, and therefore Show won by count out. Um, again, the story going around is that Henry did hurt his knee, did hyperextend it, uh, but he is expected to still be in the match on Sunday. Uh, and a lot of times with hyperextended knees, it's one of those things where you tweak it, it hurts like hell for the moment, but then you can, you know, once you let it rest for a couple of days, you should be fine. Um, so I'm hoping that's the case here. Henry, of course, still nursing a, uh, a groin pull. Don't know which side of the groin it's on, so I don't know if it's, you know, now if he's got the right leg is hurting the groin area, the left leg is hurting the knee area, or if they're both on the same side. Uh, but it was his left knee that buckled underneath him. So Daniel Bryan attacks Show with the chair, uh, hits him a few times. Show ends up knocking the chair away. Bryan starts to run. Big Show chases him with the chair. Uh, Bryan tossed the, the, the belt at Big Show to distract him and hit a drop kick to the knee. He grabs the chair back from Show, hits him a couple of times with it in the back. They roll into the ring. Brian locks on the lapel lock, uh, which Show sells for a minute and then powers out up. That's when Cole makes the comment that she talked about at the top of the show of submissions will not, you know, take care, will not uh, uh, allow uh, Brian to win at the, the triple threat match on Sunday. Show powers out to the lapel lock, ends up hitting a choke slam on Daniel Bryan. He cocks for the, the WMD, the Weapon of Mass Destruction Punch, but when Brian stands up sees it, he rolls to the floor, and that's how we close SmackDown with Brian on the floor and show in the ring screaming at him. Um, I, I don't know how much of that was booked on the fly. I have a feeling that there was there, there was going to end up being some sort of brawl with, two, with at least two of those guys, if not all three, uh, to close the show out, but obviously plans had to change somewhat because of, of Mark Henry. I gave him a hit in the hit list for being able to recover and, and, and book that on the fly. Our correspondent didn't seem to indicate that it was, you know, like there was a big break while they figured out what to do, that it, that it flowed pretty quickly. Um, so kudos to them for being able to recover from that situation. Uh, you, you know, and it was a fine main event. It's hard to kill it because Mark Henry did get hurt. Um, it wasn't great, but I thought the end with Big Show standing strong and, and yelling at, at Daniel Bryan, especially when we expect Bryan to go over on Sunday, uh, was uh, was a good way to finish the show and the best way they could lead into the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I, I thought it worked. I mean, it it, uh, it was obviously uh, something they had to recover from, and, and they did a pretty good job of that. And, they, and I'm not sure that this was the uh, this was their first uh, choice of, of of events. You know, I'm not sure that this is how the show would have ended if uh, everything would have gone according to plan. But I, I thought it was a satisfactory ending. You know, I, I thought it uh, it sent home the message that you know. Brian perhaps can't beat uh, Big Show without a little bit of help, whether it's from uh, you know chairs or you know a little bit of help from Henry or whatever it's going to require on Sunday. And I think it, it adds a bit of uh, you know a bit of mystery to the to the cage match on Sunday. And, and, I, and I liked it. You know, I, I hope Henry's at a you know a relatively uh, you know a good health on Sunday so that we can have a competitive match. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'd hate to see him go out there and hurt himself even worse just trying to get through this. But I guess that's the risk you take uh, being a professional wrestler. Yeah, and, and I think the the triple threat and the cage match part of it allows them to take some shortcuts to keep him safe. I mean, he can take a couple of cage bumps to the face, you know, and uh, and, and then sell it in the corner for a little while to give himself a break. There's, they have some ways to protect him while having him in that match. 
my concern would be lifting at this point because it is a groin and knee problem. If he's got to pick up Big Show, they may need to take that out. Um, I would think he should be able to, to pick up Brian without too much trouble and too much stress on his body. But, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he's healthy as well, or at least healthy enough that he can go out there and not continue to or make himself any worse. I wish they would give the guy a little bit of time off. As much as I love him, I, I, I'd like to continue to see him for a long period of time. Uh, so give him a little bit of time off, let him heal up, uh, and uh, and go from there. So he was our correspondent did say he was walking off for gingerly at the show, um, but uh, he managed to cover it well for what was on television. But a good end to what was, you know, just a really lackluster SmackDown, a lackluster go-home show. Uh, but I think even as, as you know, as bleh as we were about the show as a whole, I'm still excited for the Rumble. How about you? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. I mean, this between this one and, and WrestleMania, it's uh, these are the number one and number two shows in my mind, and, and I'm always a fan of the Rumble match. I think it's a it's a neat concept, and I always look forward to seeing how it plays out. I, I think you know this year with uh, with all the surprises that could be in store, it, it could be a really memorable match, and, it, and that's what I'm hoping for. You know, we it's going to be uh, you know, only, have four, only have four matches booked for the card, and, and as you mentioned, we'll probably have at least one match uh, added on as a bonus. And I'm hoping that uh, you know the whole thing lives up to expectations because at this point, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to the show and, and seeing what it has to offer. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest uh, Rumble fan as far as the match itself. I know a lot of people really get into it. I mean, not that I dislike it, I just I just don't get up for it as much. But I think there's a lot, there's so much ambiguity right now going into it that it's been a little bit of fun. I think they've missed out on some opportunities by uh, doing a lot of things they've done in the past. Here's, you know, we announced 25 people, so there's five spots out there that could be potential surprises. I think, you know, this this year could have could have they could have done those things and still created the ambiguity that they have. Uh, at this point, but I think we're in for a good show. I think that, uh, you know, Kane and John Cena is the match that, that, that could be, you know, that you, you don't really know how that's going to go, but I think they could, they have an opportunity to tell a really fun story there regardless of how the match works out. I think that both title matches uh, are going to be fun to watch. I certainly think that CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler are going to go out there and try to steal the show. Both guys in interviews this week have said, you know, their job is to go out there and outshine the Rumble match. And, uh, you know, I think Punk has enough swag in the company right now in the pool that he can go out there and do that without having to worry about getting into trouble or getting Ziggler in trouble. So I'm interested to see what everybody can do. And then, of course, the Rumble match, just, there's so many questions right now. I think we're in for a great show. Jason Powell and I will be covering that show, uh, both of us doing live coverage and doing a joining us together to do an audio review of that show after it goes off the air. But, again, that will be for members only. Uh, so if you'd like to hear the audio review, then by, uh, by all means, head on over to ProWrestling.net. On the right-hand side of the page, click on the .NET member sign-up link. $7.50 a month gets you going for the first 30 days. If you want to go ahead and take the annual route, we'll save you $2 a month right off the top, only $5.50 a month when you take that route. And that will get you all the way through WrestleMania and even going into the Rumble next year. Um, it's a good time to sign up. Again, this is when uh, wrestling gets very exciting. A lot of things happen. Even the indie groups start focusing around WrestleMania and trying to piggyback off of the uh, all the, the, the hype and the news that comes around this time of year. So if you've ever considered signing up to be a member, this is your time. You'll have access to that audio after the show, plus access to our weekly audios that I mentioned at the top of the show, all the old interviews that are there, access to the ad-free version of the site so you can watch along with us on Sunday night. And you can discuss it in the members forum and write a blog about it in the .NET members blog section. All of that available to you as a pro wrestling.net member. Encourage you to sign up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Jake and I will be back next Saturday with another members-only SmackDown audio review. Everybody who's a member will see you then. If you're not, hopefully we'll see you then after you sign up. Thank you for your continued support. Everyone have a great weekend and a fantastic Royal Rumble Sunday. Take care.